Welcome to BeelerCast. On this episode, we're talking to Jared from Attitude. I don't want to steal his thunder, so I'll let him make his announcement to you all. But then we dive into really a lot of the issues that are facing publishers between Q4, 2024, and just how difficult it is to make change. Then we dive into a little bit of golf, a little bit of whiskey. I have a feeling that's going to be more of a conversation after Edinburgh. But we're both excited for that, and we're excited for this episode. So with that, welcome to BeelerCast. Okay, Jared, what's going on in your world? Well, quite a bit, Rob. So in the last few weeks, we announced publicly that we finished raising our Series A. We raised $15 million from Volition Capital, a pretty well-known VC firm in our space. Pretty well-known because they were the original investors in Kinetics back in the day, but also companies like Chewy. It's been a long time in the making and something that I personally put a lot of effort uh, and energy into, both, frankly, just deciding if I wanted to raise money or not. And second, when I made that decision, yes, who from? Volition has done a fantastic job of proving to me that they are just as interested in in, in my business as I am, uh, which is really exciting. And they have very big goals for us, just like I do uh, for my own company. So yeah, we've been focused for the last, say, 60 days on what that means for us, uh, closing the deal, making hires, working on a PR blitz, and we have a lot of uh, new stuff coming soon as well. Yeah, it's uh, so again, like I kind of think of uh, you're someone that I know that's that really knows the inside, you know, in and out of ad tech. And now you're out going out getting funding and so forth. It's it's a different animal, is it? Is it not <laughs> to run your own business? Uh, you know, it's really nice, frankly, to be able to now once it's now it's done to be able to focus back on the day to day and less uh, on the you know making powerpoints and and pitching and things like that. But again, like the most important part for throughout this process for me was finding someone that was willing to put in the as much energy and like research into our industry as, as I was, as I was going through this process, what the, what the market size is, what the opportunities are, things like that. And then someone, frankly, that like believed in me and my, and my co-founders, you know, the same way that I do, right. Believe in the story. Yeah, that's great. So what does that, what does that mean in terms of uh, the road ahead? What are, what are your thoughts in terms of, again, as a business with this investment, sure. You know, where, where are the areas that you're going to, to grow and, and, you know, do develop as a company? Yeah. So I think there's three main areas. So the first one would be just talent, right? So we've already started making some more hires. We have opening positions in all three like departments of attitude, right? So we have some ad ops uh, analyst type roles. We have a handful of sales roles and then mostly development positions. So we're at 16 employees right now. Um, by the end of the year, we'll probably be like 21, 22. By the end of 2024, maybe in the mid-30s, most of those positions will be developers, which makes sense for an ad tech company. So yeah, so talent's the, the first part. Second one will be like marketing and PR, right? So I always say like Attitude is one of the biggest companies that no one's ever heard of. As great as that has been for us to be able to quietly grow the business, at some point you can't do that anymore, right? So uh, one of the other reasons, one of the main reasons uh, we got so excited about partnering with Volition is that they have a huge marketing force behind them to help us with 
what I'll call like figuring out our persona and our and our position in the market, redoing our website, helping us put on events and, and better sponsoring of other events. So we've already started doing that. Been a lot of awesome PR uh, online, and we're about to sponsor a handful of events, including Beeler Tech. I'd expect a lot more there in the, in the near future. And then the third part is acquisitions, which is really interesting. And it's finding companies with what I would call like um, uh, complementary products, right? Whether it's an analytics platform, a development platform, something that has nothing to do with ads, but we think is really cool and could be applied to the advertising space, right? It's how that we can grow faster by acquiring smart people and smart tech uh, versus spending the, uh, long process of trying to build it all out ourselves. So one of the things I'm just curious how you, how you deal with, which is, I know you have vision. I know you have some ideas around what you want to build, right? Great that you now have that capital, but to your point, now you need the people like how, how do you manage? <laughs> and again, I, I don't know that you have the answer to this, but I'm just sitting there thinking about it myself. Just like, how do you, how do you like, again, just keep up on like, just watching where you go and like, what do you, you know, what are you thinking on that along those lines? Yeah. So like every day I come up with some crazy new idea, right. And like, there has to be a lot of filtering and editing there. Uh, and the rest of the team does a pretty good job of saying like, Hey Jared, that's no, or like, yes, we should do that. Right. Um, you know, obviously having more developers is going to help with that. But as part of this whole process, we've created what we call like, uh, basically teams, teams within teams. Uh, at Attitude, where you have certain uh, development crews focusing on existing products and publishers, certain people doing like R&D, uh, and even within the R&D, right, we already have what we think are our next three or four products, and they're already going down that path. One of the biggest like mistakes that companies make after they raise a lot of capital is just blowing it all on crazy ideas. We're, we've always been very cautious, right? I funded this business for the last four years myself. I've been very careful with how we spend every dollar and what paths we go down. And I don't, I don't see that changing. I just see us being able to accomplish that much quicker, right? With more help. So just being true to our strategy so far, you know, and just speeding it up a little bit is, is where I see us going. And I hope that you do. And again, keep, keep that, um, that uh, track on your spending. And yet I want to give you an idea, which would be really base camp, Galactic. And I'll just put that out there. Attitude could be the premier sponsor. I'd even give you a speaking spot. Can you imagine? Like, come on. Like, it tells me I'm from Mars. So <laughs> it would be uh, a great idea. <laughs> yes. All right. So we'll, we'll, we'll run that. I'll just send over the invoice as soon as I figure out how much. Yeah. <laughs> no, um, I appreciate that. <laughs> so one of the thoughts I had, again, you, you know, in all that you're you're tracking in the industry, whether it be obviously regulation, privacy sandbox, I mean, we've got things like the, uh, you know, we've got a lot of number of different topics that are going on. And this is one of those critical times of the year where for publishers, those that, you know, live and die by Q4 are focused on that. And yet 2024 uh, will be a big year uh, you know, in some way, shape or form in terms of potential changes and, and how things go and so forth. What are some of your thoughts in terms of where publishers minds should be in terms of Q4? Like any last minute ideas here of things that they should be doing or whatever to something that they would think about around with 2024? Sure. So like 
if you look at just the the global economy and, and, and focus on the analogs for 2023, right, it hasn't been the best year uh, compared to 2022, compared to uh, years in the past. Uh, we are starting to see some progress, yay, towards the end of August, early September, which is awesome. Usually publishers like kind of put a code freeze and an ad ops freeze in Q4, especially towards like mid-November, right? Um, and say like, hey, I'm not going to do anything. It's too, it's too important, right? But based on where performance has been for most publishers throughout the year, throughout 2023, I'd probably say like, hey, you may want to be a little bit more aggressive in, in Q4 and be open to more testing, right? Like we're starting to work with tons of publishers right now who are just now getting going on testing our tech, right? Which would theoretically be, we're changing everything as it relates to ad serving, right? As we're going to Q4. I don't, I don't think that's a bad uh, idea. If there's a way for you to make even 5% extra uh, with minimal risk, I focus on that right now. We have no idea what's going to happen in 2024. Uh, there's tons of changes that are coming out, uh, both legally and technically, Google and European Union and everything like that. No one's going to be able to predict what the impact is. It could be nothing or it could be huge, right? And like, but what you can't control is what's right in front of you right now. Um, and so we have tons of publishers. Uh, who are getting pretty aggressive with, hey, I'm going to radically change my website design. I'm going to uh, A-B test serving more ads or less ads, different types of content, whatever it may be right now, uh, and getting prepared for Q4, you know, to try to take as much advantage as possible of the expected, you know, CPM lift. Well, you, you hit on one of my soapbox topics. And, and by the way, it's a one that's very easy to say and yet each situation would be different or whatever, which is, you know, if publishers are truly digital companies, Q4 can't, like code freezing is, is like one of those pieces where, again, I just sit there and go like, you really should be sitting there thinking about what you can do and so forth. Not trying to throw risk at it, but I'm just sitting there going like, like you just can't lose a quarter or a month or whatever. When again, you, you know, if you start think of it this way, right? So if, Eight within 18 months, we're going to be off third party cookies. Okay, well, then let's take three months out for this quarter, three months for next Q4 after that. So you're really looking at 12 months and do you really like, is that enough time? Right. So there's, there's a lot of that kind of thinking. Again, easily said at the water cooler or at the bar, not the one that's sitting with the developer who's sitting there going like, uh, no. So uh, just an area that to, to me is quite fascinating to just sit there and think that like some truly digital companies don't think this way. Um, and yet we do. So there are a number of topics that are going on in the industry right now, as you know, between MFA to in-stream versus outstream. And there's, there's a lot of these particular topics. And I wanted to throw out to you a, an article title. I have the title, Jared, but I don't have any of the substance yet. That's why I like how I use my podcast is it's, it's my sounding board. So I'll sound smart when I write it. Then someone will go back and listen to the podcast go like, oh, that's where that came from. Um, but look, you get attribution. Here's what's going on in my head, which is the kind of the title or the main thing of it is buyers say jump and publishers go, hold on a minute. I got to go check with all my tech partners to see if I can even jump how high I can jump <laughs> and whether I should jump or not. And I think some of that is because, again, as I'm sitting there thinking about things like 
in-stream versus outstream identification and all these other pieces, right? There's an aspect where there's a, there's a push from the buy side to make these changes. And yet it's not all in the publishers. It's not like a publisher sitting there going, oh yeah, let me go take care of that. They've got to talk to Google. They got to talk to Amazon. They've got to talk to their video player. They got like, there's a lot more conversations than, yeah, I can just go make that happen. And I'm just curious as someone who plays in that role and multiple aspects of that, I'm just kind of curious, where do I go with this article? I've got a great title. Now I just need, where, where do I go with this, this, this concept, Jared? Yeah, so I think there's two parts of an industry that have responsibility here, the publishers and then also the SSPs. And people kind of overlook the SSP part about it uh, quite a bit. On the publisher side, it's a lot more complicated than I think a lot of these buying buyers uh, realize, right? It's not that one company manages all of their technology or even all parts of their business, right? You have developers who are pushing uh, website changes, but then a header bidding company that's managing display and then a video company that's managing video and then server infrastructure that they have to change to abide by laws and things like that, right? Um, and, uh, you know, a seemingly small change of, hey, just add this one line of code to your video call to, to let us know what the, the ideas of this in-stream request is, is actually a, like a major uh, undertaking for some of these companies. And so there's a lot of parts that go into that. But what I think the more interesting thing is, is the other side of the equation, right? It's just because publishers are starting to abide by some of these changes doesn't mean that those changes ever get passed through the ad request, right? And it's like, hey, okay, the publisher can do all of the work on their end, but is the SSP actually passing that now downstream to all of the DSPs? Do the DSPs even understand what any of that means? Is the SSP um, telling the publisher the correct uh, information that needs to be passed and things like that, right? It's still very much the, the, the Wild West here, right? And it's not just that the publishers have to do it. It's that every SSP now has to do it. And then once the SSPs do it, every DSP has to abide by it, right? And until there's like that um, that big moment where like a significant portion of the industry is doing the exact same thing, right? No one's going to no one's gonna buy against any of this information, right? And so it then goes back to this chicken of the egg kind of problem of like, well, if I'm a publisher, should I even bother doing this? It doesn't actually impact anything on the buy side or the buyers aren't even paying attention to it or don't know how to ingest it. And if I'm a buyer, should I build out the technology to ingest that information from the SSP if I'm only getting past it 1% of the time, right? And just like, how do we get to that point where there's a, a substantial part of the industry that is like actually doing what we want them to do? Uh, and it's going to take a while, but I think the biggest part that we, what you're hitting on there is like, this is simple really big undertaking for everybody. It's not just, hey, change the word from in-stream to outstream, right? As an example, it's like, no, there's 10 layers of changes that have to happen here. And it impacts thousands and thousands of businesses outside of just publishers. Well, you let me use my other favorite go-to analogy of herding cats and steering glaciers, right? So there's just this idea that getting anything done is extremely slow and yet is extremely chaotic in the, at the at the same time. I think there needs to be a you know, kind of a recognition of that. It also makes me think about, and I'm sure you see this from your publishers who are all going like, hey, we put that identifier up. So is it working? Am I seeing more revenue? And there's just this aspect of going like, a lot of these solutions are, really ahead of the curve yep. 
I mean, I don't know whether they're going to work or not. So I don't, when I say ahead of the curve, I actually kind of caught myself like, well, we'll see if they're ahead of the curve. <laughs> they certainly pretend that they are going to be ready, like they, they, that they're going to, to be ready. But there's an aspect that like publishers are so caught up in the short term of going like, are any of these identifiers driving revenue? I think there'll be some reports out that that some of that is working. I mean, I think, I mean, I think you may know that, right? Like, or, or, I'd love your take on this if I've got this wrong, but like passing PPID along tends to see a higher CPM. Now, is that because someone's buying on PPID? Probably not. The fact that there's an identifier to it probably helps. I, I'm what like no one gets to see how much you're shaking your head back and forth. This is an audio podcast, Jared. So you have to explain why you're you're having a spasm right now while I say all this. So unpack what I said. Um, sh- show me the way. I think it's the same the same point that's valid here as what I just made. Right? Like there has to be a mass adoption here. Just because you're passing in IDs doesn't mean that the SSP is passing that to DSPs. Right? In fact. We've learned in many cases they aren't because they don't know what to do with that, right? There's no standardization. There's so many IDs out there. Um, and with PPID, the same thing. Yeah, like when we pass it, we tend to see a little bit of an improvement. Like why? I don't know. This, is it just because people want to see that some ID exists? They don't even know what it means? Probably, right? Um, are they matching against that? Probably not, right? I think it's going to be kind of one of those situations where like, especially now at Chrome starting to let people test some of its changes, we're, we're finally going to be able to create environments where these user ID companies can actually test and prove if they're, if they're having impact or not, right? Some of the most interesting data that we've seen so far is that there's like this inherent bias with, uh, you know, users who have ID matches they tend to already be the most valuable users, right? And just because they have an ID doesn't actually mean that that ID is the lift. It's that those users are already more valuable, right? And it's like, how do we now separate that in an environment where there actually aren't other cookies that people can already identify those users, right? So like, it's going to be a tough one until it actually happens and whenever the end of 2024, whenever Google makes up its mind. But uh, in, in until then, it's going to be really hard to prove out if it's helping or not. It may, a certain ID may help publisher A and may have no impact on publisher B. And it could be they have different uh, browser uh, breakdowns and things like that, right? Or different uh, just types of users. Um, And so until there's that mass adoption and until everybody in the chain adopts it, not just publishers, but the SSPs and the DSPs, right? It's kind of a moot point. Right. Like we can keep testing and testing and testing, but no one's going to really be paying attention. Which this is where I'm going to need your help uh, in Edinburgh. Right. And at Basecamp and at the events, and I think you understand kind of what I'm trying to do with the events, which is we can't control, you know, what we can't control. Right. I think I think you're I think you're spot on. Right. And I think that there's an aspect, though, of going maybe a little less effort on the testing and a little bit more on the advocate, you know, advocating for the next layer. And then when that layer goes, well, we're an SSP, we're not gonna do something till the DSP goes, okay, well, let's help you push on the D like, again, like, we got to clean some of this stuff up, right? Like, you know, it's just, it, it's, you know, and, or it will be cleaned up for us. And there's no way that goes well, right? right. As a publisher, 
Uh, you don't have that much authority individually over an SSP or a DSP, especially not a DSP, right? As a, as a, over an SSP, well, if you're really, really big, maybe you can boss them around a little bit. But you as a publisher can't go to SSPA and say, hey, I want you to now make sure every DSP buying from you listens to my ID5 ID, right? Like that's that's not in your, uh, your authority there. So um, there's for sure got to be some type of larger adoption as a publishing group, right? I mean, that's something that we try to do at Attitude is like if we decide or determine that there's a certain piece of technology right? Whether it's a user ID or anything else along the request that makes sense for all of our publishers, we sign up our own account with that company and we push it, right? We have so much inventory and so much scale that like we in our own right can make a little bit of an impact on the space, but still we're only, you know, a small percentage of the whole space. So we definitely need to all band together. <laughs> all right. I didn't prep you for this question. In Edinburgh, is there any particular, have you been to Edinburgh before? Never been to Scotland. No, you've never been to Scotland. Okay, is there any particular whiskey or what? What is the thing you're most excited about for for Edinburgh? And I'm and I'm not offended if you don't if it's not anything related to the agenda. Uh, fair enough. Well, there's two things. One, I, I did sign up for like the whiskey scotch tour. You know, tasting the Johnny um, Walker. It's yeah, look. like that sounds great. Of course. Um, I mean, I'm a huge golf fan, so like I've been trying to do research on how to get onto some of these courses, right? It's like the number one through like seven oldest course in the world. They're all in Scotland and they're all like within like a five mile radius. Most of them you cannot get on is what I'm learning very quickly. There is one public course that's right near the hotel that I'm going to try to get onto. We shall see. Uh, but in general, I mean, I'm as like I said, as a, as a huge golf fan, like just being in like, like holy space in the golf world is going to be very exciting. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I can't wait till, till then. And, and, you know, congrats, Jared, on uh, your recent success and, uh, and putting it all together. I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing uh, what you build out and so forth. And as always, uh, appreciate your counsel. Appreciate your counsel and all this stuff. Thanks, Rob.